This is Mick Gray of DC Comics. You're listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast. People talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the Master of Disaster, Josh45. Hi. And the second suitor, Mr. Tyler Brown. Well, hello there. And I'm CBS. Today we're going to be doing episode number 173. And bookwise, we're going to be going over going over Superman 78, number one from DC Comics, Dead Box number one. This is from uh, Vault, and Dark Ages number one from Marvel Comics. We'll follow it up with an interview from the uh, Colorado Springs Comic Con 2021 with Miss Jade Gibson. But before we do all that. Do we have any news? What's in the news? What's in the news? HBO Max celebrates DC's history and legacy with a three-part documentary. Um, so a three-part documentary talking a little bit about um, the history and legacy of DC. Um, it's untitled yet at the moment, but helmed by Academy Award winner and Emmy-nominated director, produced showrunner, uh, Leslie Iwerks. Um, yeah, so... Pretty, pretty exciting stuff. They had, I don't think they have a release date yet, but kind of going over the 80 years of storytelling um, from from beginning to end, from 1938 until now. That's cool. Yeah. Interesting stuff there. I should say Superman 1938, not necessarily 80 years altogether. Um, oops. Trying to get my news together here. That's all right. DC's Hellish Super Demon returns in Multiverse Justice League series. That would be... Etrigan? Etrigan. Heck yeah. Heck yeah, man. I love that guy. Oh, he's awesome. I'm excited for that. So he'll return in uh, Justice League Incarnate number two, which I think is out at the end of this month? Uh, no, it's gotta be, it's gotta be next month. I don't, I don't feel like it, number one's even dropped yet, so. Uh, December 7th. Oh, man, even farther. So number 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 two will be out on December. So number one will be November. Yes, makes sense. Yeah. Um, this is really cool. I, I think this is interesting. Marvel and SiriusXM team up for an Apple exclusive bod- podcast and a free streaming channel. Um, so as part of a multi as part of a multi year agreement, SiriusXM and Marvel Entertainment have launched Marvel Podcast Unlimited to develop a new podcast globally. Superhero fans around the world can now enjoy a varied selection of epic podcasts featuring fan favorite characters like Wolverine, Black Widow, Hawkeye, and Doctor Doom, thanks to a new partnership between SiriusXM and Marvel Entertainment. Uh, the two companies launched Marvel Podcast Unlimited on September 1st, which is part of a multi year agreement to develop and distribute new programming that was announced 2019. Uh, the premium subscription service provides Marvel fans early and exclusive access to an ever-expanding catalog of original scripted and unscripted superhero podcasts. So, like, stories done. So, like, that Old Man Quill. Exactly. The, uh, the Old Man Quill. The Wolverine Longest Night or whatever Wolver- it's called. The Wolverine one. And then the Batman one coming to um, Spotify. It's the same idea, just DC flavored, yeah. But Marvel flavored, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love okay. this. I, I love this medium. I mean, I really do. I think... Um, I think so many people listen to podcasts and, um, Josh getting me addicted to, um, Mindframe. Mindframe. Yeah. I mean, now I'm all in on, you know, a lot of different stories being told, um, via podcasts and it, 
I really do enjoy it. So I, I think that's super exciting. Well, it's a new format for an old technology. I mean, radio radio shows. It's exactly. the same thing, just exactly. modernized. Yeah, so I think it's cool. It's cool to yeah, it's cool to see that it kind of come back in a big way for a lot of people. And you get things that you might not be able to get. I mean, Old Man Quill, um, again, J.J. Uh, um, Abrams doing um, a Spotify, which is for, for Batman, is really, really cool. I mean, it's exciting stuff. Yeah. Chris Pat and Charlie Day are going to, are the lead voices. <laughs> I still have from you. You did. That's all right. I have the whole list. Do you have the whole list? I didn't have the whole list. I got the whole list. Go ahead. That's all I have. like in the new Super Mario Bros. Uh, animated film. All right. You ready? Uh, Pratt's gonna play Mario. Uh, Anna, Charlie, Anna, Charlie Day's Luigi. Charlie Day's Luigi. Anna Taylor Joy is Peach. Uh, Jack Black will play Bowser. Keegan Michael Key is Toad. And Seth Rogen will be playing Donkey Kong. Oh, that's fine. Huh. Alright. Yeah. This is an animated movie? This is, so this is Nintendo's, uh, leap into the animated world. They announced it, gosh, I wanna say two years ago now. And, um, they kind of saw, saw some success with Sonic and then they jumped. They were like, okay, we can do this. Mario's a big enough name. Sure. So there's also like an, like a, um, <laughs> a Bob Hoskins interview that came out after they released this. And he, um, said that, um, Rocky Morton and Annabelle Jankel referring to the directors of the Super Mario Brothers movie originally it's the one, the only time that, um, Hoskins spoke negatively about anybody in the film industry. He referred to them as effing idiots. <laughs> John Leguizamo has said on multiple occasions, like, Bob Hoskins was so cool to me, but he hated that movie. Like, hated it. He's known to have only openly mouth, bad mouth. Just the production and the husband and wife and his entire career. That's the only thing, time he ever badmouthed anything. So if we're going to speak of Mario Brothers and Bob Hoskins as a prince amongst men in the film industry. Absolutely. There you go. So, But you've never seen Unleashed. It's just one of his movies. It's only one. Bob, I just I think you should watch it because Bob Hoskins is amazing at it. That's true. Okay. Well, Bob Hoskins is, again, a no, prince I agree. amongst men. I agree. 100%. Heck yeah. I closed everything. I didn't mean to do that. That's right. Well, Marvel's, uh, so the current Guardians of the Galaxy run is, has ended in issue 18. I saw that, yeah, for now. Um, so as a thing, some of the cast has moved over to the, uh, well, he is moving over to the Sword Book, which is being written by the same guy, Al Ewing. Uh, but yeah, I kind of came out of nowhere considering the series itself. I mean, I, event wise, some people say that it was, they feel like it was leading to this, but as a thing that was unofficial till the book came out, which was literally today, no, yesterday. And yeah, it's the end of that series. But funny thing about that, Guardians always rebrands. And now that we're already a couple months into filming Guardians 3, Karen Gillan announced that she's supposed to start filming her parts next month. So it's only a matter of time before we get a new Guardians series. But if you're wanting to follow any of those characters, a few of them are leaking over into the Space Adventure Sword book. So if you want more of that space stuff, you can find it over there. Uh, DC announces the Batwoman who laughs is imminent to debut in again Justice League Incarnate number two. So we'll get another Batman who laughs, but it'll be Batwoman this time. Right. Well, that Incarnate stuff is supposed to be like a mixture of universe. 
<laughs> you don't think so? Well, Batwoman's not as tough as Batman. The whole point of Batman is like being as tough as Batman is, and like being the back who laughs is just like he went through all these things and like found like the most amazing, like incredible, like body to be in and like he was the, the most intelligent thing of all time like and like Batwoman's not as intelligent as Batman's that I mean no offense wasn't like the Oracle who laughs like Oracle's a genius it's not sure I'm not making it a sexual like a, no, no. a sexist thing a sexist I'm saying thing, that like yeah, right. Batwoman isn't what Batman or or Oracle slash Especially Batgirl. from the detective side and from... Okay, I see what you're saying. Or or anybody... Or Cassandra Cain. Right. Or, I, there's a million people I would that, say, are more, yeah. that are better I would say in the Batverse than Batwoman. Than Bat I, yeah. Sorry. I, I'm, nope. I'm, that's all I have to say about that. You're not wrong. So that'll be a two-issue series that's boring. Well, she's showing up in the, the Incarnate. Incarnate, so yeah. It's part of a... It's part of a thing. Daniel Craig, the actor who plays James, who has played James Bond for the past 15 years, now holds the same rank in the Royal British Navy as his on-screen 007 counterpart, Commander. Really? The Royal Navy gave him an official, the, an official rank in, wow. in the Royal British Navy. Well, that's cool. Ah, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Mm. No? Mm. Really? Nah. Oh, man, that was pretty neat. Yeah, I think it's cool. That's... How many people can say they have that? Right? I mean, I'll give you it is honorary, but still, that's awesome. Uh, for him, but everybody else, no. No, it doesn't matter like, really? So all we got to do is just be movie stars, and we can just, like... He's done it for 15 years. He did a great job. I mean, it's such a... <laughs> all right. Um, did you guys know that Naomi Harris is playing Shriek in the new Venom movie? Did we talk about that? Um, no. No, we did not. Yeah, it's official. That's cool. Naomi Harris plays Shriek, which is a girl. Girl Venom, yeah. Symbiotes. Yeah, those things. So, Riot, we had last time. We get Carnage and Shriek this time. Who's the Who's the big, big bad guy? In which movie? The first In one? In the first one. Riot. Riot. And why was he more powerful than Venom? Because they kind of talk about it like Venom's kind of just a loser... But he's not, though, right? Mm. Is Riot more powerful than him? Yeah. You're talking about the comic books? Comic books are different than the movie. Right. In the movie, he talks yeah. about... Yeah, okay, I'm but, in the mar- but in the comics, though... No, not necessarily. No. no. Yeah, Riot is one of the offspring of Carnage, so... He's a third tier down. Is he strong? Yeah. I mean, I don't know, comparison-wise, if they ever stacked the two next to each other, really. I don't, yeah, I don't think so, either. So... <coughs> Well, Carnage is more powerful than Venom, but he's sometimes, and he's a spawn of Venom. But he's spawn of, but it's because of the host, correct? Right. right. Partially, I mean, I don't know. When it gets to that kind of stuff, power set wise, they're all kind of the same thing. But there are a few that have other powers. Now, granted, Venom and Carnage don't really seem to have that, except that Carnage can also bend the minds of others. Mm-hmm. And in his current state, he doesn't even have a physical body, so like it's the just a mental capacity of. Cleus Casty floating around through the ether of things. Doesn't and, have a symbiote at all? Well, the symbiote's still there. Okay. But uh, Cletus uh, effectively is not. Okay. But his consciousness has been loaded into the... Well, not even loaded. It's been put in... Er, it's currently in the symbiote, like, ether. So okay. it's able to reach out and touch things and make other characters do things. It's crazy. So, it, And that's what's currently happening in the uh, Extreme Carnage series. 
But yeah, when it comes to like which one's stronger, well, I mean, Cleus is freaking crazy. He's a serial killer already, so right. the mindset gives you different kind of a drive than a normal person has, regardless of what you're doing. Nobody cares, Carnage. I mean, probably not. I care. That's almost what I was saying. It's exciting. I think it's cool. I'm excited to see Carnage. Nobody cares, Carnage. It's good stuff. Because he's like, I'm Carnage. I'm the craziest. Or like, nobody cares. He's out of his mind. That's for sure. Just like, you know. Serial killer style. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all the news I have. You hear they announced the name of the next Fantastic Beasts? Oh, no. It's the uh, Secrets of Dumbledore Mm -hmm. is the naming for it. I mean, they're going to bring back Jude Law? Um, I mean, yeah. yeah. I liked him as Dumbledore. I thought that was cool. Makes sense. Yeah, I liked that. So, you're um, saying it's supposed to release 15th of April this next year, so 2022. It, uh, it's basically talk. It's it's referring to the Deathly Hollows stuff of like how Dumbledore always had secrets. Making horcruxes and stuff like that. Well, not, no, he didn't make any horcruxes, but, well, like, but didn't he the secrets of, of Dumbledore were like Dumbledore always had secrets oh. of, as in like, he always knew what was going on, but like his relationship with Snape and how Snape, like, and okay, like how it, it in the in the last Harry Potter, I mean, spoilers, obviously, in the books, the last book when they meet up with Dumbledore's brother, Ab- Aberforth, I think is his name. Like, I'm like, uh, somebody could probably crucify us right now. Like, I'm, I'm, pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Ab- Aberforth, Dumbledore. Somebody Google that while okay. I'm talking. Right, right. Um. He's like, my brother always had secrets. He's like, he, that's what he's all about. My brother was all about secrets. He never cared about anything but his own personal gain and blah, blah, blah. And he was telling Harry that. And in the books, they talk about how, like, it, it shows a lot more than it does in the movies. But, like... Aberforth, you're correct. Cool. Good job. Um, But basically what it was is, like, Grindelwald and Dumbledore were the bestest of friends and super close. And they were looking through for the Deathly Hollows together. And... Dumbledore went one way, but Grindelwald went the other way, and when we're evil, um, as far as what uh, J.K. Rowling, how she presents it now, is that they were lovers, Grindelwald and Dumbledore. Um, I don't think they will ever like actually approach that in the films. Well, they're definitely not now because of the whole Johnny Depp thing. I mean, they canned him, right? Uh, they've recast the character. Okay. Okay. Mags Mickelson, I think, is taking over. Oh, really? Why they didn't just go back to Colin Farrell? Like, he he was Colin Farrell in the first film. And then he switched Mm. to Johnny Depp. So, like, the kid had gone back to Colin Farrell. In Fantastic Beasts? Yeah, in the first one, Colin Farrell. Really? Yeah. You remember that? I thought he was in the second one. Colin Farrell was, he was, like, disguised as Colin Farrell. Like, Colin Farrell was, like, the disguised look. Uh They could have gone back to that. I don't know why they didn't just do that. Yeah, that would have made sense. <clears throat> That's interesting. Yeah, That's an interesting know. choice. Anyway, um, the J.K. Rowling speaks of them as lovers, and the, there was like a lovers' quarrel and all this kind of stuff. Blah blah blah. It doesn't really matter. But um, when it comes to it, is that they were battling and they find the Elder Wand together. Dumbledore gets it, but then like, yeah, all the stuff, and like they they talk about that in the last book quite a. Bit and they don't really cover it in, yeah, in the, the movie. movie at you never all. meet the brother. You do. Oh, you do. Yeah, he's the one. He's the one that owns the pub. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And so, like Dumbledore, like was trying, like was fighting Grindelwald, and the the little sister dies, 
in in the fight between Grindelwald and Dumbledore in the books. Okay. So, and then like in the movie, they only talk about it as she's the painting and she's the, she's, he like tells the, the girl in the painting, that's the little sister. And that was, that was Aberforth and Dumbledore's little sister. And she's the one that like leads the way back to Hogwarts in the films. Okay. So that's how they connect. Yeah. But like they they go like a lot more in depth with like Dumbledore's secrets. Sure. Like is he like he always had secrets, and that's what Albert says. Like my my brother always had secrets. Like you were a secret. Everything was a secret. Like to and he was like so angry about his brother. So. Huh? Speaking of Venom, Venom just uh, got leaked to show up Tom Hardy's version of Venom in Fortnite. Oh really? Yeah. Huh. That's big, right. that's Did he get forty nine percent or less on Rotten Tomatoes? Because that would be awesome. It hasn't happened. Come out yet? Dang it! You don't get to win that bet yet. Dang it! Well, apparently they've already finished filming the Obi One show. Yeah, Ewan McGregor said it's done. That's yeah. He was saying that it, yeah, won't, it won't disappoint. Apparently, is what, what he says. This, like that one dude's like a gonna wield a lightsaber in it. Asian dude. Um, are we talking about the one from Rogue One? Mm, the guy that was, I think he's like the guy that, and from Fast and Furious, isn't he the same guy? Oh, I, I don't know. I don't know much about the cast of the thing. Hmm? Sorry, I was reading. Which Fast and Furious guy? He's kind the of Asian Han. Han? Huh? Yeah. I think it's him. In Obi-Wan? Yeah. Mm, I don't know that. Speaking of Asian guys, while you guys look at that, did you guys see the, like, the first looks at all the Cowboy Bebop stuff? Yeah, I did. It looks awesome. I've yeah. never watched Cowboy Bebop, but I hear it's Are amazing. Are you kidding me? No, I've never watched it. Are I hear it's incredible. Are you kidding me right I, now? No, I hear of it's all the things in the world that you haven't watched, you haven't watched Cowboy Bebop, it starts and finishes. You know that, right? Yeah, I it's hear not it's just like, it, like, eh. I hear it's it, incredible. I'm not a huge anime guy, really. This isn't... Did you ever watch Avatar The Last Airbender? Yeah, I didn't like that at all. You didn't like... Not the movie, the cartoon? Yeah, like, really? No. That's weird. That's weird. I've That's never weird. met somebody who didn't like that either. I think I gave it like two episodes, though, to be fair. Oh, that's not nearly enough. Yeah, it's definitely that's yeah. weird that you gave it like because it's fun. It's fantastic. Soon, Soon Kang. I don't know if that's who they're talking about or not. I don't know anything about the casting other than Obi Wan Kenobi's the guy in it, or not Obi Wan. Ewan McGregor's the guy in it playing Obi Wan Kenobi. So yeah, I don't have any clue who you're talking about. The guy from Fast and the Furious, if he's in it, I mean that makes sense, I guess. But I'm not, I don't remember his name necessarily. Um, he's from Tokyo Drift. And three of the other ones. That's on. Yeah. yeah. Soon Kang? Is that his name? It might be. I don't know. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, Soon Kang. Yeah. Yeah. That's a dude. He's also in uh, Code 8, the the movie that was put together by uh In interview with Screen Robin Rant, Rant, actor Soon Kang revealed that his character in the upcoming Obi-Wan Kenobi series has a lightsaber. Hmm. Cool. Sweet. I'm not looking forward to the Obi Wan thing at all. No, no, I'm not. I don't. You like, hate Ewan McGregor. I don't like Ewan McGregor at all. I, I he like bugs it. me. I like it. He's annoying. I like it. I'm excited. He what? doesn't. He doesn't do anything. He's just like. Oh, Hayden Christensen will be back too. Come on, yeah, he's, he's great. Just as boring. He is boring. I'm Jeez, not, I don't like Hayden Christensen very much. Anyway, um, oh, did you watch Tiger King? Mm-hmm. You ever watch Tiger King? You watch Tiger King? No. no. It's getting a second season. It's really good. What? The guy's in prison for murder. Like, how's it going to get a second season? I think they're going to go after the lady who 
Carol Danvers. Yeah, Car- Carol Baskins. Baskins. Carol Baskins. Danvers. Baskins. Devins. Yeah, close. It's not the same. No, it's not. No, that's that's not comic book or pop culture related. It's definitely pop culture related. No, that's yeah, that's, that's like weird. Like a lot of people. Yeah. Nobody cares. I know, but a lot of people do. Yeah, I, I know you don't, but a lot of people don't. I hope that anybody listening to the show doesn't care. Yeah, that's what I hope. Might not. Anyway, he'll probably bleep that out because he's like, that's oh, fine. I don't want anybody in the show to not think that I don't care what they like. But I don't. Nothing to do with anything. But the idea of Tiger King is stupid to me. It's a really good show. I'm anyway. sorry. Uh, I just, I only care about the tigers. That's true. That should, and the lions. That should not be owned in Illinois or wherever the heck that Indiana or some baloney place. I do have a theory that, like, I think that, like, tigers should be introduced, like, in, like, the Montana area because it's the same, like, temperate zone as, like, Siberia. So, sure. you, like, release Siberian tigers in, like, Montana and, like, those areas. And, like, it could, like, boost that kind of stuff. But nobody's in... Um, <laughs> nobody's on. Nobody uh, wants tigers like, in their backyard. Ah, we're good. That really? makes sense, I guess. I have officially finished my entire watch through of all Marvel MCU movies. Oh man! And it was fantastic. Did you watch the new? Did either of you guys watch the newest episode of What If? Yes. I haven't. The Kamara one. Oh, that one was good. The newest one that just came out yesterday is not good. The Killmonger one is the newest one. No, it's not. They come out on Wednesday. Yeah, there's a new one. So there's a new one that came out oh, yesterday. I thought, the, I thought the Marvel Zombies was the one, like... What, that was the one before. And then the Killmonger one's the The Killmonger one. one was great. That's what I'm talking about. That's not... Is, the, it, is there a new, newer one than that? Even? Correct. It came out yesterday. It's, okay. What if, I'm, what if Thor was an only child? It's really bad. Oh, okay. Because, like, I didn't like the Killmonger one. I thought it was stupid. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't like it. Oh, I thought it was wonderful. No, ends really dumb. Oh, I thought it was so good. But I love Killmonger. I think, and I, and I oh, like, I, I my, hated him. I thought he was of course stupid. you, of course you did. And I, I didn't, I, I love Michael B. Jordan as that character. I, he, I thought he did such a good job. Oh, I'm fine with him in the movie. I just thought, I thought this, sh- I thought that episode was stupid. I loved it. I like the zombie ones too. Actually, I like all of them so far except this new one. Except. What if Thor was a only child? I didn't like the Doctor Strange one. Oh man, that was, was so it was, good. It was it was like it was super dark. I, um, I loved it. Zombie one was decent. Actually, I, I was surprised how much I liked it. But I was too. I was like, eh. I didn't like the fact that like, like just because you're a superhero zombie means like that you're more that you're actually you're a zombie and you're dead and you you're a mindless thing, but you still have control of your powers and you're as well. In the Marvel Zombies, you, you kind of still have control. Okay. I was like, okay, cool. Touche. Uh, but uh, even then, I thought that was kind of dumb. Well, in the comics, it wasn't so much matter. Like, it wasn't just because you're a hero type. I mean, there were other zombie types that had some of their faculties that just overrun by the ravenous eating. Yeah, they thing. talk They talk and stuff. Like, Peter Parker still has, like, whippy yeah. lines and stuff, and he's not necessarily... He's decaying for sure, but he's not like a true zombie. You know, main difference is they have more more ability to kill you than right. They're more normal. They're people, more durable, really. Yeah. In general, I mean, okay. And so that, that's what first means like, eh, you're you're still just a living organism, so it is what it is. But whatever, you guys explain it to me. That's too, uh, and I I actually enjoy that episode. Yeah, I, like I didn't like the Killmonger episode that much. So I, I was like, eh, so smart. It, it ends dumb. Yeah, I, I like I like I liked the leading up to like we won't ruin it for CBS. I liked all of it, and then it was just like yeah, it's like and we just and then I was like 
Wait, what? That's it? It does kind of drop off. It does kind of, it does kind of drop off. That makes sense. I think you're right. Okay. I can see why you'd be upset. I was like, what? What do you mean? There almost seems like there should be an episode two of of that. Yeah. Okay. I, I, all right. That's fair. It's just like, okay, now they're going to do it. Right. Eh, Yeah. eh, They got it. Yeah. I just like Killmonger so much. And I was like, really? Killmonger is like Michael B. Jordan. He's he's like not that. No, he's a mastermind in that. No offense. He's not that smart. Sorry, dude. He figured out a lot though in, in Black Panther. You just don't like Black Panther? Yeah, I don't. Anyways, watching through all of my Marvel... And the the newest one is what? What if Thor Thor was an only child? So, like, they would have never found Loki? Yeah, it's it's silly. He comes down to Earth, and he starts a party, and the Earth may rupture from too much partying. (laughs) It's not. That's funny. But it's not. It's Uh, like, this is kind of lame, but... Um, it just makes me think of like I actually watched it today for some reason. Like it just, it was, I've seen it before, but I saw it today. It was just like the Marvel bunch. It was like I think it was on uh, Jim Fallon. Is like it's like oh, when they're all living together as roommates. But it's a story, yeah, uh, like of a billionaire playboy, mm-hmm. like or yeah. whatever billionaire genius. And it's like and they go through the whole thing. And it's just like and like it's the way we can all became the Marvel, the Marvel bunch. bunch. Yeah, and it's just like it's made me laugh a lot. It is funny. because it's like really like. Like everybody's in it, like you know, Pratt and like everybody, and that's and then yeah, and like then so I watched this what if thing, and, like, eh. and then you're like it's a party in Earth, and there I was like okay, so it makes me laugh a little bit. It's I like, it. anyways, I finished all of my Marvel movies, and I still think that minus Endgame, probably minus Endgame and Infinity War, I still think Doctor Strange is my favorite movie. Did you see Shang-Chi? I did see Shang-Chi, and it's okay. really, really good. Yeah. I had somebody tell me, message me today. It's like, hey, you're like, you still doing your podcast? I was like, yeah. And they're like, you, have you seen Shang-Chi? I was like, no, I haven't. Like, I was like, what do you think? And they're like, eh, it's, it's really good. I just think Marvel's trying too hard, and it's very predictable. And this is a person who's not a comic book fan, has never read a comic book. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it, like, it's... It's, I that that's just what they told me. Yeah, like I'm that's, not. That's fair. I, I have no opinion because I've not seen it. I don't so. know about trying too hard, but it is predictable. I mean, it's but there's not a giant twist by any means. I mean, it's it's a it's a hero film from beginning to end. Do I think it's as good as a bunch of other origin stories they've done? Probably not, but it, it it's definitely enjoyable. Well, Shang Chi's also a friggin' what's what's below four. Uh, uh, there's, there's tertiary is three, for the uh, primary, secondary, tertiary, quat quat quat. Yeah, a low a low tier level. Kins- it, it's a kinsinary kinsinary <laughs> figure. Really, like he really is. Like he's okay. just he's so far beyond. He just is. Like he's just not important. Like he does. Mm. He's like a C level main main character. He's got books that are fun, so as long as you like him. I would say he's less than C is what I'm saying. It's like he's like he's like say less than C, but So the one of the coolest things that really came back to me was again the whole celestial thing of ego being a celestial, which apparently we missed a lot because they talk about it so many times. But watching Infinity War the other night and they're on the spaceship and they're headed towards Titan and Tony comes up and he knights uh Peter and makes him an Avenger and he's like so excited and then at the same time you're like 
oh man, but like we might die. <laughs> like that's like it, it. It really gave a lot of gravity to the situation, and I, I. It took me a long time. I kind of paused and sat there and thought about it. Thought about it. It's like it. It's really, really interesting that it's not this big, grandiose idea. Really, I mean, it's literally a. Uh, you've become an Avenger, and all the people who show up, obviously, in the end of, you know, Infinity War, or in the end of uh, Endgame, I mean, you become an Avenger out of necessity of, you know, the the evil that you have to fight, which I thought was really, really clever. I mean, yeah, the Russo course. brothers nailed a lot of things. Sure. Any more news? No, sir. No? Huh? Let's move into some books. Just to let you know... There will be spoilers. Josh, you want to tell us what Superman 3 should have been? Oh, I'm going first. Um, sure. Superman 78, the uh, continuation of the Christopher Reeve Superman movie verse, which would be basically if... So, it's debatable whether... I mean, CBS has an opinion, but I, I'm not quite sure because I've read the book and we're going to talk about it and we'll get into it, but like... He thinks it's after the Superman kiss, but like after Superman two Kryptonian kiss, the Kryptonian kiss, but like it's basically making Superman three and four non-existent. So this would be, I guess, Donner's version of what happens next. So this is um, the continuation of the Christopher Reeve story through the eyes of um, Richard Donner, who's still alive. If he would have done it. Even though I'm not sure. Well, he passed away. Like this yeah, they, is there's a whole like memorial page. The very first page actually talks about him. It's yeah, like a memorial tribute. But yeah, this is what uh, these fellows that made this book believe. His next step would have been just like with the Keaton thing. If if it moved forward with another movie and wasn't sequeled by other people, this is what they think would have been the next thing. And like in the original movie, but even three, but even he didn't do this, he didn't do the original Superman two though. He did. But, but it was it, it was, was edited massive. somebody else. Yeah, that's so that, why there's so, so that's what this is the one that I question more. The so the Batman eighty nine makes more sense to me to an extent because it was it was one it was two and done right. right? I mean that was, it was what it was. But this one it was like two is a super gray area because then they went back into the Donner cut, which is way different. Well, yeah, he he made both movies originally, but when they went to release movie two, the Warner Brothers was like, yeah, we don't want to do what you're doing. So they had somebody else go in there and film other stuff and edit it Which different. I don't know if it was Warner Brothers. Gosh, that sounds so familiar. My brain says it was Warner Brothers, but I guess I don't know who made it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Well, you have to double check that because I don't In 78, that. I don't know if they had the rights then. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. It might be Universal. That but would make sense, actually. It was, it, it's a, it's a whole. the world's the beginning. It is Universal. I'm pretty you're sure right. it is, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Universal. What's the beginning? Uh, it'd be in the movie, in the uh, film, that what comes up in the front of it is the universal. It's a universal symbol, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but again, like, it's, this is a whole different, this is a whole different ballgame. Oh, yeah. And so, like, Donner was kind of crazy in general anyway, on top of that, like. Well, I mean, some of the choices so, were made were weird, yeah. Because I don't know if, I don't even know if the Kryptonian kiss is in the Donner cut. I think it's not even in it. So that's what makes me wonder. As we get into this, we'll go. We'll get into it temp- like shortly. Sure. But there's, there's that when you watch the Donner cut, he takes a lot of weirdness out of it and puts more stuff into it, and it's like it's just a whole thing because he's like he didn't like some things, he took some things out, he put some things in. So 
Yeah. I, as far as fit, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be after movie two, but I mean, I don't know if, I guess I didn't read all the uh, tribute letter to know that. Maybe, maybe that says that. I guess I'll go back and read that part. I thought it was cool. I just didn't read it. Actually, which is weird is I actually like this one more than I like the uh, Batman 89, so. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> Regardless of where it's supposed to take place. For sure. It's, yeah. I mean, we'll get into it, but yeah, it's. So anyway, this, this, uh, picks up right at, uh, on Krypton. And, um, you have Jorel and Lara, 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 like talking about how, um, did Kalal get off the planet safely? Red Sun's about to explode. And they're like the instability of the Red Sun is rend- is running crypt is uh, tearing Krypton apart. And all of a sudden there's like, like a flash of light and like something's happening. This isn't correct. And like, did he, did he get away, Jorel? Like, are you sure he's safe? He's like, he is safe. I promise you. And they're like, they, they're trans, this looks as if that like Kalel's parents are transported off of Krypton before it explodes, right before Krypton explodes. And then you have what is Brainiac's ship. And it says, the Kryptonians sealed their fa- planet's fate, the era of a careless, dangerous civilization. It was Warner Brothers. I apologize. It was Warner Brothers? Yeah. Okay. So why do I remember the world? Is it because of movie two where he, or movie one where he spins the world yeah. backwards? Yeah, that, that's what you Yeah, that's why it, my brain was thinking. It is, it is Warner Brothers. They distributed. Either way. Yeah. So, chapter one, Brainiac. Um... It picks up in Metropolis, and the uh, doofus version of Clark Kent is chasing after Lois um, in the city, and he's like, Lois, Lois, fancy bumping into you in the, on the way to the... And she's like, mm, morning, Clark, and she's, you know, busy as she always is, like, looking to the future, you know, like, the next story, the next thing, and she stops to get breakfast, and it's like, a hot dog stand, and um, she's ordering something, and, like, Clark looks over and sees, like, a guy ro- robs a woman... And steals her purse, and he, like, shoots his, the sole of his shoe, catches it on fire, and the guy's like, oh my gosh, like, just out of the blue, and, cause he's paying attention to something else, um, doesn't realize that, like, Lois orders food, and, like, was basically, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't have any money, can you pay? And he's like, oh, oh, oh yeah, 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 that's fine, yeah, yeah. And, like, pays the guy for the hot dogs, and, uh, I was like, keep the change, sir. And so, um, and during this whole time, he's talking about how, like, you know, like, you know, Perry, Perry doesn't like me, and she's like, "Well, you know, you you need you're a good reporter, Clark, but you need to quit like doing these like dogs like these like these like dog show stories. Like, yeah, like do something with yourself." And he comes into the office, and like Perry's the same way, and he's like, "Hey, you know, like you know, what's up with you? Like, you have like low, you can't be be chasing Lois's tail all the time. You have to be puff pieces is the term you're looking for. Yeah, puff pieces." Happy-go-lucky stories. Yeah. They want something gritty, something real. And he's like, oh, that's why, uh, you know, Lois has really has a nose for some news, and some 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 of the risks she takes are awfully dangerous. And he's like, have you been listening? That's called being a reporter. Get out there and get your angle. And, uh, like, yells at uh, Jimmy Olsen, like, go out there and take some pictures. All of a sudden, he's like, oh, okay. And then it pans out, and it's like a picture of the Earth, and you see, like, a pink... Like some sort of like fiery thing shooting towards Earth, shoots down, explodes, and like the whole Daily Planet hears it, and uh, you see this robot that you know, well, 
as comic book fans would know that of a some sort of brainiac device. And it says, um, arrival achieved, location Earth, and it, the guy that served him hot dogs that morning, like scorched mustard all over some random guy. <laughs> and, uh, it's a big, it's a good crater in the middle of the city. It's like uh, assessing planetary stability, peak evolutionary species, human. And then, like, these cops pull up, like, hold it right there. It's like physiology, fragile, technology suggests low level intelligence. And this thing's just like scanning the planet, scanning everything around it. And, like, Clark runs out, does his Christopher Reeve Classic. Superman, just, like, runs and pulls the shirt open, and just, the, the art is brilliant. It looks, it looks like Christopher Reeve in the best way, which, the one thing I didn't like about the Batman 89 is that, I was like, that doesn't look like Keaton. This looks like Christopher Reeve. And, you know, like, the, the fire department and the police be like, everyone off the street, take shelter, get, everybody get out of here. And uh, Lois is running, and they're like, hey, Miss Lane, you're going the wrong way. And she's like, nope, all good stories. get be- Good stories are never behind, Jimmy. They're out front. And uh, you, you see you see this, like, robot thing destroying stuff and being crazy and cops shooting at it. And Superman's like, um, looks like you have one thick skull. And he goes and just pounds this thing, and and it's like, Kind of like just kind of shorten out, and they're like, "Bless you, Superman." He's like, "Where'd that thing come?" He's like, "I'm not sure, Officer, but I'll get to the bottom of it." Is just as soon as I make sure everyone is all right, which is funny because like when you watch the original Superman show or movies, like he's like, "Yeah, I'll, uh, thanks, thanks, Officer, but I'll, I'll take it from here." And, like it's just the same dialogue style, which right. I liked. Um, he talks the same. Yeah, yeah awesome. ab- absolutely. It was it was. And then you see an old lady like scream, and the robot grabs Superman, slams him down, like s- tries to attack him, and it's like appearance, human capabilities, non-human, and scanning him. He's like confused. He's like, listen to this thing talk. It's like, let me introduce myself. I'm Superman, and just like it, it blasts him, and it says possible Kryptonian classification testing, and like it shoots Superman through the Daily Planet, and. All over the other side, and the thing is over there and says, Specimen is not expired. Yellow sun radiation has resulted in augmented physical capabilities. Conclusion Kryptonian classification confirmed. And Superman is like, busts it up, cracks its head off, and knocks it, knocks it loose. It's like, but before it lands, it says, Sending data to mothership, alerting Brainiac. And then Superman picks up the head and he's like, What's a Brainiac? And then it flashes forward to the farthest reaches of space in orbit above a dying world, and you see a green hand holding a a glass bottle, a glass jar of the uh, the bottled city of Candor, potentially, possibly, possibly. And it says another culture preserved before extinction. Not all are so fortunate. Subspace data burst received from drone. Blah 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 blah. Prior to urgency, and it's a display now. Um, Earth confirmed presence of class ultra invasive species Kryptonian, and then you see Krypton or Brainiac in his full green Brainiac, who he is. And it says after um, galactic time increments, one is revealed to have escaped Earth's unevolved um, interspecies balance is in critical danger. The rogue Kryptonian must be collected by Brainiac. And it says next, Lex Luthor to the rescue. 
What's cool about this book, you know, you have a, uh, you talking about the cover? You have Gene Hackman. Gene, oh, the totally Gene Hackman, yeah. Total Hackman right there. And then, Mar- uh, what's her name? Margot Kidder. Margot Kidder. Mm-hmm. And just like everybody kind of just looks the way that they were in the movies. Like everything's kind of written the way they were in the movies. Everything's just kind of like, I don't know. It just, it makes more sense to me than the Batman 89. I was a little bit more, um, hesitant on this one because I was so disappointed in that one. This one, I was like, wow. Okay, cool. I like this. If they would have gone this direction, it would have been awesome. Uh, my rating, I'm going to give it a four. Um, the art is very simple, but I like the art because it's at least clean. Um, I like the way that, like, it does look like Christopher Reeve. It, 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 it everything kind of looks the way that it's supposed to. Um, the flow is really, really good. Um, overall, I do give it a four. So. Cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a four as well. It, it is it's super clean. Clean's the best word that you can really say. The lines um, are extremely well done. The coloring's good. It is done in that classic '78. Um, even the pace of the story is is I mean identical to what the movies are. Um, him coming through and ripping the shirt open. Him being kind of the geeky Clark. Um, I love the one-liner, you know, stories don't just fall from the sky, and then boom, something falls from the sky. And he's like, I think something fell from the sky. I better go check it out. Yeah, uh, yeah th- this is everything that I wanted Batman 89 to be, and it's it's great. I'd, I'd give it a four as well. Um, it looks, again, the simple art, um, and I don't know, we, we talked about it a little bit, but I don't know if Batman 89 has such a, a problem with likenesses, maybe, maybe possibly. Um, but this, it, it, and it's different because unfortunately, you know, Christopher Reeves has passed and his, you know, many of his family members have passed. His wife, correct? Yeah. Wife, wife is gone. Now. Both the kids are still alive, but the, yeah, So using his likeness may be a little bit easier as compared to Michael Keaton, as compared to Michael Keaton. But it, it is, um, it's, it's great. It's, it's definitely, a um, what Batman should have been. Um, yeah. Four. Let's go wise. Yeah. I follow suit. I guess as far as story is concerned, it was, it's fun. Uh, after doing a little bit of research on Donner Cut, Ultimately, it's still my my belief is still after movie two because even if you follow the Donner cut, the Donner cut does remove the Kryptonian kiss, but Donner's version it, it almost works because he flies this Earth backwards and it goes back to make Lois not even find out about it. The back the Earth backwards is the first Superman. No, he does it in both. It's in both movies. The Donner version, it's in both. Really? Absolutely. I d- okay. Well, I'm. I'm so, not. I'm not going to disagree or argue with you, but like I've watched the Donner cut several times, and mm-hmm. I don't remember the second time. That's what to talk about. Yeah. Mm. So like as a thing, it, she still doesn't remember right. whatever happened for movie two because of that. But yeah, like as a as a book in the world, like the art's fun. The uh, the styling, the pace of it, like just the way Superman behaves, is what you expect from Superman. Like the way he takes out the robber with like hardly doing anything. The way he stuck pain for lunch, it's yeah, it's it's a it's a classic storyline for it. And as far as the Brainiac stuff's concerned, Brainiac we get both versions: the crazy robot version, which is the '70s version, and the green, I don't know, Lex Luthor looking version. And they make him look so simple, like yeah. that. That is something that they could could have pulled off with makeup in 1978, oh, for sure. and it would have been great. Yeah, a lot better than the lady turned into a machine by her yeah. crazy brother's computer. 
which is just kind of creepy, actually. This panel of him pulling his shirt open and then, you know, zooming off is just... It's awesome. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it is... It, it It's exactly what y- you want. It's exactly what you want. So, yeah, score-wise, if I didn't say, I'd give it a four also, so... Yeah, it's good stuff. Like, I'm uh, pretty happy with the book. Just in general, it's... uh, I feel like they did a really good job with it. Um, it'll be interesting to see, like, what the end winds up being, but... As far as feeling like a true sequel, I mean, that's that's what it feels like. So, mission accomplished, I guess, with that. Hundred percent. Oh yeah. And Gene Hackman on the front is is a great little, great little 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 Easter egg for sure. Well, even even the Margot Kidder looks like Margot Kidder. Yeah, it does. So yeah, like, they all look they all look great. I do kind of wonder if Brainiac's based off somebody. Like, I mean, he's pretty simple, so it's hard to say if the features are or not, but it'd be kind of cool if it was. On who would have played him in 78? Yeah, yeah. That would yeah. So I don't know if that's a thing or not, but huh. I have to look into it a little more to figure out if that's a real thing or not. I'd be interested to know that. Si, senor. Uh, well, you want to move into, you want to do, you want to do Marvel for next? I think, uh, Deadbox is the one I was going to do next. Okay, you do that. We'll finish up with the, uh, Dark Age. I'm just glad I don't have to do that book. So, uh,. <laughs> Vault number, so this is from Vault Comics, Dead Box, um, this is issue number one. And this is written by, uh, Mark Russell, and the art on it is by Benjamin Tizma. And so the book opens up, and like the first thing we see is a postcard, which is from Lost Turkey, which is a small town in the Midwest. That's the name of the place that the book takes place in. And so it's got like a shot of a, on a sunset beach and the church and like, visit a God's country, you know, like a postcard. And then we uh, we have a bunch of voiceover going on that explains like what the town is like and what the town's how the town's kind of about. And we see a shot of the city itself, and it's got a big banner type entrance over the front uh, where you drive in the town. Of course, it says "Welcome to Lost Turkey." And we see uh, the, you know the gas station, and we see the church in the background, and it just gives us an idea of like I don't know rural, rural mid American town. That's hard to say. Um, anyway, from there we start talking about how the town's people are. You know, they have their gun owners, they have their landowners, they have their gun landowners, and like we just see a shot of a, a dude sitting next to the gun shop, and he's got his uh, rifle just on his lap, sitting out front, smoking a cigarette. And uh, talked about how people like to feel powerful, and when you're carrying around your guns, that's this type of person is that type of person. And then we see a shot of the cop, and he's doing his job, and it talks about everyone is a place to belong. So it basically just describes everything you want to know about a town. Or about a place and like how there's simple folk and you have your overly egregious, you know, redneck type and then you have your law and stewardship types. And as it's describing the town, it, it talks about how even in small communities, everyone is separate. Uh, people cling to their uh, symbols and cling to things they believe in. And it shows like an American flag and it's got a dog out there barking. And uh, it says, and we don't understand why we feel lied to. We feel withdrawn. And we we feel withdrawn from that love from each other, so it basically talks about that being alone, even in a town full of people you know, is what we're going over. And then we move to meet our main character Penny, who works at the convenience store. And uh, Penny's is deep in a book reading. From there, we hear a voice come over at her saying, "Hey, so you reading today or working today?" And she looks up and she sees a, an older lady. And she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, Miss Randall." I just got distracted, and she puts down her book, and Miss Randall slaps down some chips to buy, and she's like, oh, it's all right. No, I just get my Frito-Lay, you know? Like, sort of dirty old lady style. Anyway, she's like, uh, so you, she, she's like, you coming handsome? Because she's talking to the guy she's with, and he's over at the, uh, and they even call it the dead box. 
And what it is, it's a red box, you know, with a different name. And he's over there looking, he's trying to pick out a movie. He's like, I'll be there presently, dear. And uh, she starts talking about how, oh, it's so great that we got this new video box in town because there's nothing else to really do. So it's it's, it's awesome. And uh, from there, he comes over and joins her. And the, the dude that she's with is kind of a cowboy type. He's got his hat on, a little neckerchief around. And, you know, he's a... I don't know, mid-30s, probably? 40s? Anyway, well, the two of them, you know, talking to Penny, wondering if she's going to go back to school, and, uh, of course, he flirts with her a little bit, like, you got to get out of this town, otherwise this town will kill you. You know, he's very, uh, I don't know, he's very cowboy about everything, I don't know, that's basically what's going on. Anyway, eventually, he's like, yeah, if, you know, if you don't get out of here, Lord knows, this, this town's going to kill you, Lord knows it's killing me. And he, like, tips his hat at her, and we can see the shot of his face where we see his eyes are red, which is kind of weird, but I don't I don't necessarily think that means anything other than... No, I think it's just a shadow from his hat. Yeah, it looks yeah. like foreboding for the sake of being foreboding. Yeah. Uh, but the two of them leave the store, and then she goes over and starts looking at the red box, and or the dead box. Don't call it that. It's a dead box. I know, right? Get it right. Trademark. <laughs> Copyright. Copywritten. And she's like, well, Miss Randall has a point about this dead box. Once I tried looking some of these movies up, and none of them even exist. And now she's standing over there looking at the titles, and so what we learn is that she tried to look up the titles herself, Penny, and that none of the titles in the box seem to be movies that are actually real. And in the conversation with Ms. Randall, she mentioned that, oh, I've never even heard of any of these movies, but it's a godsend to have them. And so uh, she picks her own movie, and uh, the movie she picks is called uh, The Lonely Planet. And it's got, like, a astronaut guy looking up with a spaceship flying overhead. Very Buck Rogers-y. And uh, from there, she goes to make dad dinner. Um, so her dad's been feeling sick. And part of what we got in the conversation is that the whole reason she's still here is she took over the convenience store because her father is sick. She's supposed to be going to college. And she's her father going is, back to college, is, yeah. is ill. He's bedridden, obviously. And yeah. So she's decided to stay home, for the, which is the whole conversation about getting out of the town before he dies about, right. really. Until he's feeling better. Right. So she's like, well, I can't leave till Dad's better. And so at this point, we finally get to meet Dad for a second. And we see her bringing him a steaming hot bowl of soup. And she's like, oh, Dad, you got to eat something. And he's like, oh, you know, I can't I can't afford that. Uh, we can barely afford pills that they give me to take care of this problem. Now, it, it doesn't show him. It doesn't. Okay, just check. It's just a shot of just just shot hands. his hands, yeah. And her having, handing him his hands. And, like, the way her face is silhouetted indicates that she is not pleased with the way he looks. Definitely. And uh, it's a very foreloading situation. Even after she gives him the bowl, and he he, t- she's, he tells her she tells she tells him that oh he you need to get get on with your life. I'm dying here. She's telling him, oh you're not dying, Dad. It'll all be okay. And she from there she leaves. And we see like a shot of her eyes that tells us that she knows that things are not lots of foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah that he's obviously not well. He's in rough shape. Mm-hmm. Which again we don't actually see that yet. Uh, but anyway, so she leaves the room. And she takes her movie in there. And we get a little more voiceover from her, and she's talking about how. He's laying there dying, so I'm stuck staying here while he's dying. And it's just like her trying to come to grips with whatever she's making decisions about. And she sits down, puts her DVD in, and it starts to play. From there, we cut to the TV. And this TV is playing as an epic space adventure where it turns out all of us here on Earth a while back sent out a uh, beacon with a bunch of information about the planet, which is something that really happened. And then eventually, someone else out in space found it and messaged back. So this is where it... We're going to talk about it, obviously, but it's a it's it is a big jump. I mean, you go from her perspective, and this movie takes up a considerable amount of this book. 
So just just so nobody gets lost, we're we're still in the same book. It's 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 right. it's her movie that uh, takes up a, a a very large chunk of the story. It does. So we, from the foreboding dreariness of her house, correct. We lead over to or to the convenience store, which has a room in the back of it. We lean to the space story, and as the space story goes on, like once these once these humans get their call from the well, get their return message from the stars. They're all ecstatic, and they start communicating like regular with this other planet, and they all become really great friends, but they're all so far apart that all they can do is communicate and send images. So, they decide one day they want to meet face-to-face. Human race and uh, the Glalix, they basically decide they're going to try to send somebody face-to-face to meet them. Well, it turns out this trip is going to take whoever they send 50 years to get there. So they start taking applications or applicants for it, and it's all young people, they're healthy, and eventually they finally find their, their, their Buck Rogers to send, and he's a healthy young man with a, you know, flat top military cut about him, and they're gonna send him off to the Greylux, and so they send over some images of what he looks like, and a very, uh, think like astronaut launching Cape Canaveral type stuff, they have a lot of ticker tape fanfare, and we see the Greylux for the first time, and they're like a fish type people. Did you talk about the age thing? Uh, about the, taking 50 years to get there? Yes. Yes. So they had to choose someone young. Right. Okay. In order to get there with any type of life to them. Correct. Because the trip itself is going to be one person going 50 years through space. Which is the bad part. So sorry. Oh, you're good. Um, but yeah, the Grey looks, they're like, they're like Iglantian looking fish people. Um, basically. Anyway, so the Grey looks start planning for his arrival and they're like, oh, we, their, their society is a very about food and how they, they have so many different courses of food. And so they decide they're going to plan this giant feast. What do they eat? 12 meals a day, I think it yeah. says. Yeah, they, it's a crazy they amount. They eat a lot, yeah. Uh, and from there we cut back to, um, Penny, who hears the ring of the front cash, or the front door, like a, the bell ring. And so she gets up, puts on her apron, goes walking into the uh, convenience store area. And all of a sudden from next to her, a gun shows up out of nowhere. And so she freaks out for a second. He's like, give me the cash out of the register. And uh, we see, turn to see that it's the gun store owner. The dude we saw earlier with the shotgun sitting on his lap. And she's like, oh, Buck, what are you doing? You, you almost scared me to death. And he's like, correction, I almost shot you to death. You know, you should really have one of these, little lady. And he's holding this like tiny little pea shooter thing. And he's like, you never know when you're going to need it. And like he just continues to lay it on, trying to convince her she needs a gun. And uh, he's like, piece of nine is a piece of mind. Because nine millimeter, it, I mean, it's it's very sleazy dude style. Anyway, so from there he buys his stuff from the convenience store, and she lays it on him how oh, he's never needed it in all the years he's carried it, and he's carried it every single day, and he's like, well, you know, pretty much every day. Anyway, so she sells him, she sells him her her his uh his goods. It's like a bag of chips and a soda or something. Like it's just a bunch of random stuff. He's like, you should at least come by this shop. You know, fire off a few rounds, see how it feels. She's like, uh, no thanks. And he leaves, and she's like, gotta hate this town. From there, we return, well, we, no, we act, from there, we cut to, uh, another shot about the town in general. We see, like, a, I don't know, crazy billboard outside, and it goes over how the downfall of civilization is the willingness to pin on stupidity, and look at stupidity as freedom instead of just stupidity. And, like, it gives us a crazy, like, shot of a dude riding a Harley with, with an eagle flying in front of it, like, talking about that whole redneck society being the way it is. Anyway, so she eventually she closes the shop, and uh, 
returns to her movie. In the movie now, the spaceship is flying off, our guys inside of it, and the scientists back home are like, oh, hopefully you can hold together over this 50-year trip. It should all be, once he gets there, this will be great. First time humans meet Greylicks. And, and uh, the Greylicks are super excited because, you know, they see this handsome, strapping-like astronaut dude. And uh, their planning takes, I mean, they plan for like 50 years, this giant party. And like you were saying earlier, all the mills, like, it's crazy. So uh, we see our, our astronaut, and he slowly starts tearing off numbers from a calendar sheet. And it passes time and time. And then we see the Greylicks at home and how they're all excited about these people coming still, but eventually a few of them die. And, like, the lead scientist who was in charge of the Greylick planet, or on the, on the Earth's planet, he passes away because he was an older man. And now there's new scientists that have taken over. And as the trip goes on, we see our astronauts slowly getting older and older he quits shaving, his hair's grown long, he's not working out, so he's just surviving. And the dude, by the time he gets to the planet, like, once he gets there, all the fanfare is going on, and everyone's super excited, and they're talking about how they hope for the future, and they all are ready for this grand celebration, and then uh, the plane lands, or the spaceship lands, and he comes out, and he's wearing this tore-up shirt, a pair of underwear that are stained, and he is skinny with a long beard, balding, just does not look anything like what he initially looked like. He looks like a corpse, and he looks like he stinks. I mean, Yeah, I mean, everything around him in any case that he's just dirty. And so he gets there, and of course the Grey Lick, like the people there, they're all dressed, they, they, he meets the king, and they, they're all dressed to the nines, like, oh, we have this giant mill for you. He's like, you got any canned chicken? Because as we saw him in the ship, all he's eaten for the last 50 years has been dehydrated like food and canned food and they're like oh we got something that probably tastes like that and so he sits down at the table and he starts eating but he's eating like i don't know like a sloven pig guy just grabbing off the plate with his hands and stuffing in his mouth no like composure about him no anything yeah it's yeah it, it, of course the gray looks find this to be you know unbecoming they're like this is how all earthlings are we should never meet anyone person again he's eating with his hands they're like there's, I think they call it like a spacork or something. They're like, there's utensils there. Like, yeah. So, uh, eventually they're like, once this mill is done, let's just get him out of here. And like the chef is watching him eat. And he's like, huh, you could just, I don't know. You could just take your time. Uh. So they all decide that they need to get rid of him. And they, they, we see a reflection of the picture of what he was as a young man versus the modern him. And they're like, this is not anything like what we expected. This is awful. And so they're like, oh yeah, thanks so much for stopping by. Better get on your way. They head him off to the spaceship and basically force him on the ship to leave. And then the people of Earth find out that, well, he's on his way back already? That was pointless. And so they're all very disappointed in the situation. And we, last thing we see from the uh, movie is the ship heading back to Earth. Uh, from there, we join Penny again, who's been sitting on the couch watching the movie. And uh, we hear from the, the outside the room her being called by someone. Is it going back to Earth? I'm sorry. Well, they talk about sending him away. They don't really tell where he's going, but... Oh, I- Okay. The only thing that makes any sense if he's heading back to Earth. I thought he was going off into the galaxy. I, it's very possible. Okay. I don't remember reading that. The The whole idea is that he's ruined any connection between their two worlds. And that's where like the king leaves it at, really. Is that his, his attitude when he gets there ruined their two races ever doing anything more. And uh, anyway, so Penny gets up. Uh, after she, so the voice from outside the room calls her. And uh, so she runs to help her father. And when she gets in there... We want to have seen her drop this book, and we get this other batch of monologue. Well, it's not monologue. It's like a voiceover, and it's like 
every people's creativity and their myths and their history it all cast themselves as the heroes of their own story. And we see her drop the book, and we see the book that she was reading this whole time has been um, Mystery Cults of the West. We finally see, for the first time, her father, and she's coming there to give her dad his pills, so she puts the two in her... He, he calls for her, right? Yeah. He's like, from Penny, the room. Penny, he, he Penny. He was the voice from the other room. Yeah, he's like, Penny, I, I, it hurts, it hurts. And so she goes in there, puts two pills in her hand, has him a glass of water, we finally see him, and he looks like a living corpse. He's machinist skinny. He yeah, is... It's crazy. In a bad way. And now we see that uh, right next to where she put the glass of water happens to be a DVD. And the DVD is The Vanishing Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, on the cover, it basically shows a dude on one side, normal, young, healthy, and the other side, uh, like a meaty corpse. So uh, that's where the book ends. Dun, dun, dun. As far as the thing... For, like, a horror story or, like, a creepy setup story, to me, it seems like the series is going to be very, like, Tales from the Crypty. Like, I like the art, because art's... It, it's not overly action-y, but as far as style, I, I like it. Score-wise, I mean, I give it a three. I thought it was entertaining. It does jump between the two scenarios pretty wildly, but if this was a Tales from the Crypt show, that would be pretty easy to understand. But you're right, there's a lot of the stuff about the alien race, and when you think about the correlation between her and the alien race... It basically talks about the astronaut being alone by himself all that time, driving him mad, and she's experiencing, like, the exact same thing working at this store. Like, she wants to leave. All these people that come in and talk to her, she doesn't want to be around. So it's like a reverse, uh, I don't know, like a reverse imaging of the same thing. So I can see where her story correlates with that story. And if that's the case, and seeing her dad, well, I mean, it's not going to go well for her either. Whether that means she's going to go mad or not, I mean, who knows. But yeah, I mean, I give it a three. I'm, I'm interested to read the next book. That's that's all I really got for it. Uh, Mr. Tyler, what'd you think? I, you know, I'd probably give it a two and a half. I, I, I wasn't impressed by the story. Um, it takes a lot of things from a lot of things I like. Um, there's some um, interstellar in there talking about time and messages that come back and forth. Um, you know, with, with who he's talking to and, you know, how long it takes to get to certain places. Um, I, it, it, it just, it's not painfully obvious. Like I feel like most comic books are, I didn't really get that the dead box, right? The dead box is kind of what's going to happen to each character based on what movie you watched. Um, cause obviously that's what happens to the dad and her, her, her story is kind of you know, similar to that. It spends a lot of time focusing on the movie she's watching, which is good for the reader, I think, but not necessarily great for the story. Sure. Um, it delves into a lot of things like, wait, 12 meals a day. Well, who, 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 who cares? Right. We, if our, if our primary goal is to, you know, know what's happening with Penny and what's going to affect her and so on and so forth, why are we so interested in what the, the alien race does and how much they eat and blah, blah, blah. Um, the art's fine. Um, it's clean. It's, 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 it's well done. Um, story-wise, it's just not my thing. Like I said, two, two, two and a half. Sure. Two and a half. Mr. Josh, do you know anything about the dead box? So, um, but I'm going to say this. I did not read this book. Okay. But on art alone, I give this book a two. Here's why. Um, the, the up close, well, no, I gave it a two and a half. Up close, the up close detail on the faces is fantastic. 
very clean, very personable, very in the moment. Like it makes a lot of sense. But as a distant, like they they struggle with any depth whatsoever on like what's going on like three feet, four feet, five feet, ten feet away from wherever like they're they're drawing the characters from. That that distracted me from it. Um I didn't get a chance to. Um, I feel like that, like being honest on this podcast is a good thing. Like I'm, I did, I, I, I did listen to you guys listen to it, like or talk about it, like so. I do want to read it because, like, I do like some sci-fi stuff. I do like I'm going to delve into it. Like, I, I don't have a on art alone. I was the up close stuff is fantastic, but the distance stuff, like, I felt like it was rushed through. It's not that I don't think that the, the artist is good enough, which I don't. I'm not saying that. The up close stuff is really, really, really good, but from a distance, like if it's if if the the scene is drawn from more than like two feet away, it's messy, and that that frustrates me. Like their faces like wash out, their eyes wash out, everything washes out. So it's it's a weird take on. Well, it's kind of simplicity in general, but yeah, but, I see but what up, you're saying. Up close though, like the the faces are very realistic. Like this scene right here, like this one right here. With her like, close-up on her dad's calling her? Yeah. A close-up on her eyes, like the, the gloss on the glasses, like the... Reflection the, almost on the every, glasses. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's it's incredible, but like the one right above it, it's just everything's just kind of like, meh. Like even this one's just kind of like, meh. Like I'm... Inconsistent. Inconsistent it, is probably, it, yeah. It's, you can tell it, it and I'm not going to say, this, this, this one right here struck, struck me the most, is this panel here, where, I mean... You have a bunch of people. It's a wide open, but everything's just kind of like boxy and squared off. It's like even like like eyes and everything are like just like it, it. It. I was disappointed because like the talents there, it was they were either rushed through the process or they were just like they they wanted to focus more on like the in depth stuff. They're like yeah, the 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 far away stuff was just like isn't. Like isn't is as important, but like sure. I think in a book, you can. I mean, detail's huge. Like yeah, obviously, but like, like you can draw, you know, Wolverine up close and be like, oh, that's a, that's an amazing like, a super rad like picture of Wolverine. But like if you can't draw him like running thirty yards through a field chasing after like a bear or something, you know, like what she doesn't, you can't do that with with any kind of clarity. I think that's where you struggle, and you have to you have to get both the both ends of it. Well, and to be fair, some of the things that you're most of the art rather that deals with a lot of things that aren't up close happen in the movie. So it's out that's farther away. That's true. What, well, yes. and it's and it's a different medium as we're we're watching um, Penny and her dad, and you know the 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 guy who comes in with the hat, and yeah, and then the, the the gun store clerk. They're all very close. I mean, that's we're dealing with them on a, on a as seeing through our eyes as opposed to watching it on a television. I didn't really think about it that way, but yeah. I can see what you're saying now with that. Yeah. And you're right. The tone is slightly different between the stuff that's on the movie. I think that's intentional. That's a good possibility. Because even the poster of him has that shadowed out stuff in the face that mm-hmm. you wouldn't think would be shadowed out otherwise. Yeah, I think it's Maybe intentional. Maybe that's why it is, Josh. That makes I, that does make a lot of sense. I think it's intentional. Okay. Man, now that I think about it that way, I, okay, I can see that. But I mean, but here's the, I mean, even the scene with the dog, it's just it's messy to me. So like it, I mean, even from I mean, at least it's it does it does keep the same like style. Sure, it's the same style. Yeah. I know. I didn't read it, so I just like like I mean, normally like we've all read all the books and like we kind of just like talk about it. But, like I thought that this was one that I was like, <clears throat> you guys had like 
kind of like a good split talk on. So like sometimes it's like I was like I'm I'm, I'm going to throw for a loop, and this like I didn't read it. I just I just flipped through it. Sure. Shortly after you like went through it, like I don't I don't I don't have an opinion. Like it does sound fascinating. It it was enough to interest me that I will read it. And sure. uh, unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to read it. Like as crazy as work's been and stuff like that. Like no worries. Um, yeah. I mean, you picked it obviously because you. I mean, you usually pick good books. Like you usually do. Like, yeah. like this is your this is your <laughs> podcast, your jam. Like you're like ah yeah. Like every once in a while, we're like, wow, all of us really don't like this. Like you, but you pick them sometimes. Yeah, I mean, as they come in, you're like, oh, sure. I think everybody liked this. Well, I'll, you know, I'll pick this. Like, but like this is one I haven't had a chance to read it yet. So, um. This is the first vault book that I'm like meh on. Every other vault comic I've read so far, you know, especially with you, I mean, has been great. Sure. Well, it's a different style of thing too. It's not like the a majority of the story is worked around another story in the middle. I see that Tales so of the like, Crypt thing that you're talking yeah. about. That makes a lot of sense. And I think that's what the theme for it really is. So, I mean, if you like that kind of anthology story or like the creepy tales, that's kind of type of stuff. I think this book would be a good fit for you. Sure. Because, like, inconsequentially... You do, you, you do like horror books, don't you? I mean, a little bit, I guess. You, you bring, I mean, quite a few of them. Mm. That's interesting. I have a wide scope, okay. which is horrible for me as a person, but it's good for lots of different options. Sure. But yeah, as far as the thing, I mean, if you like that kind of thing, that's your jam, then I think this makes a lot of sense for that. I think that's it about the dead box. All right. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the... Uh, Dark Dark Ages. Dark Ages so, number one. Before we get like super dive into this thing, is this a new massive crossover event? Oh, good question. Yeah. Um, no, it is a single, a singly singular event series. I don't. Best I can tell you, it's not going to be continuity whatsoever. Oh sure. But it's not a uh, it's not an event affecting other books. So it takes place in its own book by itself. Um, there's been no tie-ins. I don't think there will be. We don't know how many there's going to be. This series itself, I want to say, is a five. It's either five or six. Oh, perfect. It's not super it's long. It might have it on the front, but I don't it think did, it, it did. Didn't. Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, I, just, I, I was like, is this, like, okay, so that, I mean, okay. okay. Go, go ahead and finish. We'll talk about it again. Sure. Um, so Dark Ages, number one, Marvel Comics. Uh, writer is Tom Taylor, and your artist is Iban Carreo, because I think it's two L's. Either that or it's Saleo, which, either way, I apologize if I butchered your name there. So we start in New Jersey. Um, this is, uh, most of this voiceover is um, from Spider-Man, Peter Parker's point of view. Um, it was a Friday, a lot easier to keep track of days. Um, back then, uh, he's talking in past tense. Uh, he came over to see Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and their daughter, whose name is Danny. For some pizza. And of course he brings Mary Jane and their daughter May. Um, so they're hanging out, just kind of, you know, doing whatever. And Mary Jane comes up and she's like, Peter Parker. He's like, yeah. And she's like, our daughter is on the ceiling again. And you see May, a little toddler kind of crawling on the ceiling, you know, big smile on her face. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, are you okay with that? And he's like, I mean, I'm not going to tell her what sport's going to happen. She's going to fall. That might happen. And, uh, Jessica Jones times, and she's like, she could put her hand in a light socket. <laughs> it's like, thanks for the input, Jess. Appreciate it. Sorry, I investigate a lot of deaths, is what Jess says. And uh, Mary Jane's like, look, she's like, she's, uh, look, it's simple. I'd like to teach our daughter that the floor is for walking and ceiling is for sealing things. 
It's hilarious. It is really funny. It's, it's so funny. It's very clever. So Peter Parker's like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll get her down. He jumps up there, and he starts eating his pizza upside down um, with little baby Ming. He's like, hey there, Angel. Let's get down from the... And then we move back to him voicing over it. It says, the spiders felt it first. And you see um, him and what appears to be Miles. That's Miles, right? Yeah. I thought so. Mm-hmm. And Gwen... Um, and they're all in just agonizing pain over their spider sense. It's, yep. it, it, it says here, um, it felt so strong. Um, I'd felt it before, like when Galactus was approaching Earth, but this was devastating, like Galactus was, had taken a bite out of the Earth. So the spider sense, um, is very, very strong in, in what's going on. Um, from there, we move to a, a lab with a little girl, and she's typing, 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 and she's like, oh no. And this is Moon Girl, we come to find out. She says, devil. And she jumps on her giant red Tyrannosaurus Rex and starts racing across town to find the smartest world, the smartest minds um, in the world. And we go from there, and he says, speaking of the strongest minds, the strongest minds on the planet sensed this thing happening. And we see Jean, who appears to be dressed as Phoenix, um... And she's communicating with Charles. She says, Charles, can you hear it? And he, Charles says, yes, I hear it. Um, yeah, she, she's dressed in her Marvel girl outfit, the kind of outfit she's okay. wearing. Um, a mind has awoken, unlike any I've seen before. We also see some super awesome guy named Apocalypse. And he just says, yeah, yeah, and yes, I, I feel it. He can feel this mind awaken. He says, I hear you. You can feel the power. Um, from there, we come back to Peter Parker, and he's like, yeah, he's talking to Luke Cage and, and Jess, and they're like, what happened? He's like, I don't know. Spider Sense, you know, kind of went crazy. Um, I, I'm a little vague on the details. I'm not sure. I better go investigate. Um, all I know is something very, very bad is about to happen. I'll see you. I'll, I need to see Sue and uh, Reed Richards. So Fantastic Four, yep. yep. Makes sense. Um, he says, I want to get you to safety, Mary Jane and May, but I, I don't know where that is yet, so I'll, I'll be in touch. And she says, go do what you need to do. And then we have this awesome, awesome um, uh, panel of him flying, you know, headed towards what I assume is the Baxter Building still, correct? Okay. Spider-Man style going Spider-Man style, the, yep. flying to the city. Yep. Uh, from there, we have Johnny Storm. He says, um, Reed? He says, yeah, I'm kind of busy here, Johnny. He said, sure, it's just there's a dinosaur parked in our lobby. And we see our red dinosaur who, Moon Girl, right? Yeah, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. Devil Dinosaur, okay. Yeah, yeah she's, uh, supposedly Moon Girl is the smartest mind, uh, mind on, in the Marvel Universe. Um, from there we have a tremor that happens and you see the dinosaur looking up at the Fantastic Four like, oh, what's going on? Um, and Moon Girl comes in with Val, who's Reed Richard and, um, Sue's daughter. Sue's daughter. Mm-hmm. And says, uh, what is it? He says, you need to see something. Um, dad, this is, this is bad. See these trimmers? They don't connect with the tectonic plates that are on our earth. So something's out of whack. Something's not right. And, uh, Val says, I think the world is ending. And then we have another earthquake and we see this thing say yes. And then we move to the next page and it's a Watu, the watcher, who is one of my favorite characters. And he's so cool. Um, typically, uh, intergalactic being of immense power who spent, uh, his time 
watching the Earth from the moon. He's efficiently, effectively, uh, the omnipotent stalker. <laughs> I thought that was really clever. Uh, so Watu's like, uh, uh, this is what I've been watching for. Um, the Earth has literal hours. Um, he then goes on to explain, this is all I know, Awatu's uh, voice. Uh, Ten billion years ago, a living machine was created. This machine used to um, run around the galaxy and kind of um, eat up black holes and dead energy and, and all these awful, awful things. Um, we then get told that the machine is called the Unmaker. Um, and the living machine unmade worlds and entire galaxies. Um, until finally this intergalactic menace was challenged and beaten by the living tribunal. Um, the living tribunal actually encases the unmaker in earth because it was too powerful to be completely killed or broken down completely. So he encases, uh, the, uh, unmaker in the center of our planet. And it just kind of dips out. He's like, all right, I'm out of here. I did my job. Right. See you later. Turned the planet into a jail for yeah, the right. wrecked body, but still, right. you know. He's in pieces as far as we know. So then we come back to Awatu who's saying, but this now long dormant living creature uh, machine is, is waking. Um, when it wakes, its power, it will crack open the planet and unmake this world and worlds beyond. Um, so how do we put it down is what things says and... So they, they come together and, and all a bunch of, of, of Marvel characters, um, we see the Fantastic Four talking to and Spider-Man there, um, creating a task force. We got Black Panther and Beast and Charles Xavier and the Hulk, and they're all kind of in the background, kind of on this telephone conference, and they decide to make the strike team. The strike team, um, consists of Vision, uh, the Scarlet Witch, Doctor Strange, Invisible Woman, and Thing. Uh, they say their goodbyes and they enter a portal. As they're going through this portal to the center of the earth, uh, Sue has them wrapped in a bubble. So they are safe. They approach the unmaker and thing says, man, that's going to take some clobbering. Um, so the machine tries to kill them. Sue stops them, um, from being crushed by a giant, giant boulder. From there, we see all these rumblings, all these um, earthquakes that are happening uh, in uh, Vancouver, Canada, and Nepal, and, of course, Wakanda. Uh, T'Challa suits up and says, let's go. Uh, from there, we have super huge uh, tremors that happen underneath water in Atlantis. We see Namor, I think, mm-hmm. uh, hanging out. And he, unfortunately, his city was just trashed. Yeah, yeah trashed. We also have uh, the X-Men. I forget her name off the top of my head. I'm so sorry. Uh, that is X-23. 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 And I don't know who that is. Um, that's, uh, oh gosh, it's X-23's sister. Her oh, little okay. sister is... The one, with the, oh, the one with the Wolverine? Huh? The one with the little Wolverine? Yeah, it's the one with the little Wolverine. Yeah. They have the pet Wolverine. The pet Wolverine's name Nathan. Oh. Ah, well, I don't remember what her sister's name's name is. She's, uh, she's Honey Badger. That's her name, Honey Badger? That's great. Anyway, so they're moving through and they're helping out all these people with these tremors that are just devastating the entire planet. We see it in Los Angeles. We see it in uh, in New York. We see Kamala Khan uh, stretching out and, and, and picking up people. We see Ant-Man growing huge and pushing buildings. 
Uh, we see Iron Man and all, all the Avengers, you know, chipping in and making sure, you know, the people on Earth are, are, are going to make it through these giant earthquakes as the Earth almost gets, you know, bashed apart. We flash back or we flash back to the center of the Earth and we have Thing just getting ready to clobber the Unmaker and the Unmaker just pushes this green light on him and he's rubble. Yep, just nothing. From there we have great, great sound. Exactly. Uh, from there we have uh, Wanda, and the same thing happens to her. He just unmakes her. Vision is distraught, screaming Wanda. Well, she tries to <clears throat> like read write. the dialogue on that one. I'm huge. sorry, I'm sorry. The, the Scarlet Witch attempted to reshape reality, but despite still uh, waking to its full powers, the Unmaker simply unmade everything she tried to do, and then unmade her. So, I mean, it, it, she turns she 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 turns into like uh, almost like the snap. Um, she just she's a, turns. She, to, same thing, like this, yep. She's not, just done. Uh, Vision's devastated, and he kind of heads towards the Unmaker, and he phases through the Unmaker, and it says he entered the Unmaker's head. The Vision bought us vital seconds. Come back to Sue and Doctor Strange, who are in this bubble that Sue's made. And she's like, I can't hold it. I can't hold it any longer. Um, in desperation, Dr. Strange reaches out to the other realities for anything he could use against the Unmaker. And he found a weapon. Uh, he opened a portal to a dimension where no electricity could function. An electromagnetic pulse beat at the heart of its realm. So he opens this portal and the electrical being realized what was happening and lashes out these huge tentacle uh by by biomechanical um uh tentacles come out and they pierce straight through strange i mean they they just right through his yeah his midsection he's done uh as as the unmaker killed doctor strange the emp did its job it halted the unmaker and we see sue she's like steven steven he's like it's okay we did it we did it sue live and he opens a portal and pushes Sue back into the portal. She falls back, and uh, from there it says, but with Strange dead, the portal stayed open. The constant EMP wave crew, or wave wave grew and encompassed the entire planet and beyond, ending the Earth, entering the Earth into darkness. The sky literally began to fall. We see Fury here, and he says, Hill, what the heck was that? Everything stopped. From powered suits, we see Iron Man just plummeting from the sky to switches, and we see Ant-Man going to click his little switch, and he can't click because he was giant before, and now he is stuck being giant. Uh, machines to saying life, we see an old man with a pacemaker, and he's, you know, holding on. Artificial life, we see uh, Viv. Yep. And Hulk is upset because Viv is no longer with us. She's powered by electricity. And web shooters, we see Spider-Man trying to thwip his way through the city and he can't. He tumbles and just bam falls down. He's headed back to MJ um, and May, and he sees the building that they were in is is just in rubble. And he says, "I never, I never should have left them." Um, we see Jessica Jones and Luke says, "Peter, MJ was," and uh, Luke says, "She was helping the last people evacuate when the building came down." Jess, Luke, help me, and they start moving the rubble. We finally see Peter remove the last piece of rubble, and he says, oh, my God. He says, the world was so dark, and there was some, but there was still some light. And we see little baby May holding up a giant rock. Giant piece uh, of building. Giant piece of building, saving um, a couple people, and, and, of course, her mother, Mary Jay. 
Mary Jane says, hey there, Tiger. And he says, hey there, Mary Jane. From there, we see Peter sitting around a campfire, and he says, seven years ago, the world we knew ended. We built another world, a world to be proud of. But years after the lights went out, after the end, came the apocalypse. And we have this amazing page with my boy Apocalypse standing there just getting ready Your to boy? mess some people up. Yeah, I love Apocalypse. Pop's a tool. He is great. Nah. Uh, I think we have Steampunk Iron Man back here. Yep. I don't know who that is. I think it's supposed to be a version of Venom. Uh, I, it's something. We have Beast. We have... Looks like Lady Deathstrike, right? Let me see. Pretty sure that's who that is. Is either that or... Uh... Oh, gosh, you know, I don't know if it's Lady Deathstrike or not. Is this She-Hulk here? It is She-Hulk. And then, I don't know who that is. Couldn't tell. Long fingers? Yeah, I can't tell you. Anyways, it's, it's Mr. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is. You're, you're right. right. You're right, that is. Anyways, it looks great. Apocalypse is coming, and the Earth that's no a, longer has... That's a version of Iron Man, a version of Venom, right. uh, Mr. Fantastic, beast. a She-Hulk, a Beast, and a version of Lady Deathstrike, but I think it's a different character. Right, probably a different human. Um... I'm going to give this book a, a a four. I really enjoyed this. I don't normally really, really praise high on Marvel books, but because most of the time I think the story's lacking considerably or is, or feels um, different to me than a DC. I feel home at DC. Sure. And this, to me, is great. Um, it's uh, extremely well done. The art is great. This concept is awesome. Uh, apocalypse showing up in, in, in a time like that to me well, is it, amazing. It, like, literally, like the first couple of pages they brought, like, bring about how, like, yep. how he's into it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I love it. Give it a four. Cool. Mr. Josh, what do you think of the, uh, Dark Ages? Mm, we're going to talk about it before you, like, I give my, my rating. Cause I, I had to ask questions and I want you to explain it first. Cause I, I was under the impression this is another, like, gigantic crossover thing. It's not. Okay, so. It's a self-contained event book, so it doesn't connect to regular continuity. Two of the things that give us that is, first, May, the daughter, because um, there is no May in the regular continuity of things. And second is Watu because Watu is dead in regular continuity. Okay, so I knew that part. I didn't know about May, because, like, I mean, that that stuff has changed. Yeah. There's, there's stories in the future where there's a son, there's stories in the future where there's a daughter, there's alternate universes where both those things exist. And Watu doesn't ever intervene. Well, I mean, he does, but usually it's just like huge events of things. But as far as a, a thing, we killed him during a series in the regular regular continuity called uh, Secret. Oh, gosh. That's not what it's called. It's not Secret Invasion, it's with the scrolls. But there's other watchers, but he's our watcher. There are, but namesake-wise, Watu is one particular watcher. Right. So this one being named Watu. He's our watcher. Tells us that it's different. Um, gosh, I don't know. You got a Watu in there? You got, oh, yeah. You got Venom in there? You got Apocalypse in there? Oh, yeah, I'm it's an in. Cast, man. I'm in. Yeah, as far as continuity, it's not a continuity book. It's its own it's its own event book. And it's going to be how many, you say? It's seven? My brain says it's six. Six, yeah. But... It might be five. I can't remember, but it's not. It's not super long, um, as far as the series is concerned. I mean, if it does really well, it could easily lead to another, like a second series. I mean, just like Marvel Zombies did. Just mm-hmm. like uh, if you look over DC, we, we have deceased, 
It has three, three, still, yeah. three volumes of material. So Very like successful. As a thing, if it's really well liked, it could easily lead to sequels. I don't know if it's designed to do that, but as a thing, like where it sits in the world right now is it's its own like event book that is a self contained event because none of other books have even focused on it a little bit. Did that answer that question? That was my initial issue with those. I was like, oh, it's like, hey, by the way, we're in this thing. I was like, what thing? Like, I was just kind of like, what? But if it's just like a little, like, mini series kind of thing, like, you kind of, like, jump into it, like, right away. But, like, how many books is it going to be? Like, how many? What's going on with it? Like, I don't know. Anyway, bye. I like the I like the idea of it. But there was a few things in it that I thought were weird. Um, I only give it a three and a half. I don't. I mean, the art, the art's decent. Like, like I don't know who's who's the little like super genius chick that rides the dinosaur. That is Moon Girl. Moon Girl. Okay, I I, I know the name, but like, who is that? Um, well, Moon Girl showed up probably. I don't know. Now, like five years ago. <laughs> Um, so she's the smartest chick in the. She's the smartest brain in the Marvel universe. Yeah, okay. that's basically her power. Is All right, being that, that, that's a part of the loop. I am like, who's this, like really crazy young chick who's like the smartest person ever who is a yeah. dinosaur? I didn't know who it was either. But. So is that a real dinosaur? Like, what's going on with the dinosaur? Um, yeah, can like, we talk about the dinosaur for a second? <laughs> Previous to this, there was Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur. Um, Devil Dinosaur is the psychic. Why they picked to make this the way it is, I really have no idea. Um, she had her own series for a little while. It wasn't one I heavily read. Um, so my knowledge of Moon Girl goes so many questions. Not very far. Sure. It's hard for me to like. I'm gonna give it a th- two and a half right in the middle because I don't know what the heck's going on. I don't understand what's going on. Not because it's not good. Not because I don't know what's going on. Or not because it's like it, they didn't explain it well enough. But I think that this is, needs to be something that is is written for people who read Marvel on a regular basis because I don't know what's going on. Like, if I was... If I was... I always go into a comic book anything as a seven-year-old kid who picked up a book off the comic book rack at the convenience store after I filled my Slurpee and I'm going to go home and dream my Slurpee and read my comic book. And as a seven-year-old kid... I was very intelligent, and I could I could understand the Infinity War and the Infinity Gauntlet. I could understand these the death of Superman. I could understand these these massive crossovers, and I was like, okay. So, but I don't know what the heck. I don't. There's too much going on in this. I don't know what the heck's going on. It's too much, and like if it's a side thing, that's cool. It but, is, but again, I don't know what's going on. So that's my frustration on it. Like it's it's really well done. Like I, I get like I I get it, but I also don't get it. Like I don't get like some of the characters, I don't get what's going on. Like you know, it's, it's just kinda like uh huh? That that that's what I walked away with it going Huh? That that's that's the way that I walked away from it. And so that's my frustration with it. Um I'm sure that it could be answered and it would, it could take my two and a half to a four and a half very easily if I had just had maybe read like a hundred issues of Marvel Comics, but I I've been out of the loop, so I don't know. Sure. So, I, so that's my frustration. That like I like where they're going, I like the idea, but like to me, I thought it was going to be this massive crossover, and if it's just like some little like yeah. side thing, I'm like, oh okay. I so so that 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 confused me even more. Does that make sense? 
I mean, I guess. Like, as a thing, I don't know. During the story, they kind of explain who the characters are, but without knowing any backstory for them, I guess I could see where why they're supposed to matter would be questionable, especially with the Moon Girl thing. Like, no, but just, I mean, everybody, but even even the the big bad guy, like, okay, so. Well, he's brand new. That's yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. He's new, but 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 they they they, I know, and and I get that, but I'm saying that like they're they're bringing out as like this massive thing, the Earth might be shattering, but but it's just like a side story. It's it's not a gigantic crossover. So yeah, it's just its own self-contained book. That that's just like a that's that's my confusion. I'm just like oh, so they're just uh, they're just, which is fine if they're they're just doing a little side story thing. But I'm like huh. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, it, it could very easily have been this like massive crossover thing. Sure. As far as like an event book, I mean, because of main characters, because 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 the living the living tribunal is there's only two people there's only two things bigger than him, and that's I mean I don't remember their names, but it's like basically Stanley and Jack Kirby's characters as gods, and it was like one's called. Oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, there's like, but I, I know what you mean. Yeah. Like yeah, there's there's two gods above the living tribunal, and the, that's only it's Jack Kirby and Stanley, and so like I'm just like okay, so this thing's like this thing, and like it's it's at the center of the earth, and he like so I'm like I know I was I was just like waiting for this to be the next like massive crossover, and then when I asked CBS about it, he was just like nah, it's just it's just like the little thing is like oh okay, I think that also it was also disappointing because it is kind of a rad idea. So what you really want is for it to be a bigger event than what yeah. It really I mean, is. It, okay. it's it's rad enough to be a bigger idea. Sure, Josh is correct that it could have. We talked about it a little bit earlier, but it 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 could have used a, a, an issue zero. That would have been a, a good setup, or you know, whatever. Sure, he did say it felt a little rushed, which I can agree with him. I mean, that that makes sense. It is, it does feel a little quick to jump into the action, which is fine. But I, I, again, the, I'm with you. The concept is um, extremely intelligent. All right. Yeah, as far as the thing, like I, I dug it a lot. My grand, I said a little different Marvel wise because I've read a lot more stuff Marvel wise, especially mm-hmm. modern stuff. Um, as for the sister, it's Gabby. Gabby is the Wolverine, Laura, um, X twenty three sister. And also, like the Dark Ages idea, I feel here's the my other issue with it is just like it's it's like leading up to this idea that like there's no electricity that it's just like post-apocalyptic kind of style mm-hmm. of living for the Marvel Universe. Well, the lead-up to it was cooler than the post-apocalyptic version of what we're going into. If that makes any sense. Like, Peter Parker's like, yeah, so that was seven years ago. It's like, wait a minute, we spent an entire issue talking about like, this crazy god thing that lived in the center of the Earth, and it could have destroyed the Earth, and living... Tra- and, and you're like, what about... What happened to that? Well, they defeated like, it. Doctor Strange yeah. stopped it. Yeah, yeah Dr. kind Dr. of, but no, he, he didn't. But he didn't like he's he, he did, but he, he didn't. Pa- he paused it really exactly, and so like that's the thing is like that alone is like a gigantic thing in itself, and so like that's the other frustration. I'm just like, what about what about that thing? So now like if you if you were if you were if you wanted to make that like just the reason that we're gonna do the Dark Ages part of like how this like it's basically a Walking Dead version of the Marvel Universe, then make that like two or three pages. Like because they've done they've done that in the past, but they spent the entire issue doing that. Then all of a sudden, like Peter Parker's at the end, like sitting with his kids. So you see, what I'm saying like that's the frustrating part of it. Hmm. Which is like if 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 you're gonna go into this this thing with it, 
And they're going to be like, oh, I'm Rick. And then, you know, the young girl was like the Carl. And like, you know, like, you know, you know, if you're going to do this like post-apocalyptic version of the Marvel universe, then why do you spend an entire issue leading into like what we're going into? Like, like, like we said, it could have used a, an issue zero. I get it. Again, I get again, it. again, that's that, that was my frustration is like, I, I think it. I, I love. The idea, I love, I, I, and that's why I gave it a two and a half. Like, okay. I was, I was just like so confused. So, but we're only doing three issues tonight, so I'm trying to just like, eh. and I didn't read one of the books. Fail. I just kidding. Go as ahead. Far, as far as score, I mean, I would give, I'd give it a three and a half. Like the art, I feel like the art's really good. I feel like the story is neat and it's fun. We do see a lot of different stuff, a lot of different characters. So, I mean, this particular version of the world is affecting everybody. Which is why we see so many different faces and characters. The whole reveal with the crushed building and the daughter having saved all those people is pretty heartwarming. Mm-hmm. So that's really cool. And he's crying. Well, yeah. I mean, Spider-Man, the whole you know death of his wife yep. and daughter was. I mean, it's a rough thing. So, so like that's definitely different. Uh, but yeah, as far as like a like a story or a series, I mean, because you can read it without reading anything else. Because it's its own thing. That's why I liked it. Yeah. Because most time in Marvel books, I'm confused. I'm like, oh, I didn't read three issues ago. I'm a little confused. Right. Whereas this... It's just its own jam. Full-fledged, its own jam. Absolutely. Well, but I had to ask... And that's why I didn't like it. So I had to ask. He's like, no, no, that's not a thing. Right. Like, Peter Parker and... like. So I was like, oh, okay. Like, I thought I thought that I was like, did I miss something? Like, nah, see, happened? I just took it at face value, so... Yeah. Being it's a miniseries... I guess we'll see if it if it wants to be strong enough to do more or how it actually ends. I mean, the next leg with the bad guys, I guess we'll see how it moves. Because the way this one moves, we move through the present and through the past at the same time. And the present, we find out, is farther down the road. Now, maybe that's just so we can get the daughter character to be old enough for her to do things. Because mm-hmm. she's seven years old now. Or no, it's seven years later. And she was like, what, three? Three or four, yeah. So, like, now that puts her at 10, 11. 11. So, age-wise, it makes her, I don't know, Miles Morales' age. So, I think that the, when we get to issue two, it'll be interesting to see, like, how it's all shaped as hers, who the main characters really are. I think the main characters are the bad guys. But that's I mean, it's a good possibility. I'm cool with that. It's a good possibility. But yeah, I give it three and a half. I don't know. I, I thought it was fun. I it think series-wise, it'll be interesting to see the rest of it. I think their other character designs look cool. I think art's great. Yeah. I really do. I like it, too. The, the Spider-Man slinging through, you know, the classic, you know... You know, Thwip and, you know, the flips are great. Apocalypse looks amazing. Doctor Strange looks great. The Unmaker looks so cool. A great concept for a new character or a bad guy. I don't know if it's so much character. I mean, his character, I wouldn't necessarily say he's, I mean, at this point, I don't think he's originally meant to be bad, but after eating all the, the way they talk about it. Like oh, after, I forgot to say that. After yeah. siphoning all the death and destruction in the world. It and made him evil. It made him evil. Yeah, I forgot. So he wasn't really built to be bad. And when the tribunal fights him, it's because he's just destroying things at random. Right. So he's like a machine that went rogue because that's what AI always does. Exactly. So, you know, there's that. That's a normal trope. Or normal thing. But yeah, as far as a character, I don't think we'll see any more come out of him to save this series, probably. Right. But, I mean, I guess we'll see. You know, you never know. Well, from there, uh, we've got an interview with Jade Gibson from the uh, Colorado Springs 2021 Comic-Con. Uh, so we're going to play that for you now. Hey, 
This is Steve with Top 5 Comics Podcast here at the Colorado Springs Comic Con 2021, and I'm here with... Jade Gibson, Instagram Jade14101. Ms. Jade, you are an artist type that does art things. How long have you been doing art stuff? Oh gosh, professionally for 10 plus years, but I've been drawing since I was like three. Nice. So what made you like want to get into doing like doing art stuff at all like how did you was there something that inspired you to do it origin story style oh so many different things when i was really little i just enjoyed drawing and then it really sparked when i was about like seven or eight i got my first video game it was kingdom hearts and i was bound to determine i was going to make the next kingdom hearts and i drew a comic from the time i was like seven or eight till i was like 14 or 15 and it was like 2,000 pages of total nonsense but it's near and dear to my heart and it's what helped me grow uh, grow as an artist so yeah <laughs> no that's awesome as far as uh, being inspired that's impressive that's a lot of material so like style wise merely what, what would you call your style uh, my style is a mix with Eastern and Western cultures, coming from uh, organic circular flows and a lot of inspiration from Tetsuya Nomura and um, a little bit of uh, lately Steven Universe, because I really like that cutesy kind of style. Sure, fun stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. so do you have a, uh, if you were going to be given a project, it was a project you just wanted, whether it be copyright, whatever company it is, let's say Marvel or DC or whoever showed up, and they're like, here's, we want you to do this, what would that be? Oh, man, it's it's a toggle between a few things right now. Anything Kingdom Hearts, of course, because it's, it's near and dear to my heart, but I would love to work under uh, Yasuhiro Naitao. He does uh, Trigon, the manga series with Dark Horse, and anything to do with like uh, Sith Lords and the Bane series, I just read that, so if I got to do the comic, for like a redo of a comic with Xana and Bane, or Thrawn, I'd be all about that. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, I mean, you've already mentioned some of your, like, your inspirations and things. I mean, as far as style of art, I mean, what do you primarily do? Are you a uh, tablet type girl or are you a paper and pen type person? I love to play with both. It just depends on what's available to me. Uh, for che- for money saving wise, I do a lot more digital. It's like an initial cost, but then it definitely pays off later than getting some of the more expensive like art uh, art tools. Uh, I, I carry a sketchbook around with me everywhere, and I love to play with ink, especially ink brushes, when I'm doing sketch or digital, which I use the Photoshop software. So. Very good. Well, if you want to get your stuff, where do they get your stuff at? They can contact me on Instagram. Um, I'm I'm also on Facebook too. I'm more on like Messenger for personal, and they can email me at jade.sierra c i a r a dot gibson at gmail and they can commission me there i'm trying to build up a, a website but uh it's still in the process take time it's all investment of time i understand that i understand that so do you have any uh, projects you're working on right now book wise i mean we talked a little bit yesterday there's a little something that you've been working on if you want to tell us a little bit about that that'd be awesome yeah i have two projects i'm working on right now uh comic book wise uh one is i'm playing with a competent villain in a magical girl kind of form it's pretty much a small little mascot character has to find a magical girl that can actually survive a competent villain and so it's a, it's a kind of a cutesy gore form, a little bit more cartoony style. And I want to, it's kind of a love letter to younger girls who have dealt with serious problems and trauma in their life. Because uh, it's going to flip to be innocence isn't uh, just purity type of thing. Innocence is of the heart and of kindness. And so even this, like the in-girl 
who's going to be able to do whatever. She's someone who's been very damaged in her life and that she's still innocent and pure regardless. And then the second one is a hero comic. Uh, it's called Heroes, Inc. The first volume should be out pretty soon. And it's about uh, superheroes that... Uh, the easiest way to explain it is like 10 seconds ago, like all you remember is reading, watching this podcast, but actually you just saved the world, but you were reinserted into society without remembering. And so you're left with like the feelings of maybe what you had to do as a superhero, but you are reinserted and you can't remember anything until you're needed. So it's a bunch of superheroes trying to toggle between society and being a hero and the repercussions to the psychological damage that can happen when your brain is split to pieces. Heck yeah. <laughs> well, um, you are showing up the uh, Mesa County Library Comic Con, right? Yes, I am. I will definitely be there. <laughs> okay, so if you're listening to this now, whenever you're listening to it at all, uh, September 18th, the Grand Junction Comic Con is happening, so you can see her there and be able to get some of her stuff also in a con format. What is your go-to karaoke song? Nora Jones music. I have a more gruffer. So like Nora Jones, like Come Away With Me or Sunrise, just anything Nora Jones. <laughs> Heck yeah, it gives you a library then. That's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so if you were stranded on a deserted island and you only take five items with you, what five items would you take? Let's see. And I can't leave. There's just no way to leave. I mean, escape is always, the, escape is always what you want, but I mean, it's not like you can... Hit your boat. I'm gonna say like a navigator and a boat with enough gas to get me where I need. But See, those would be things you could take with you. It's all about escape, also, unless you like the island. I don't like. I, I am a homebody. I love just chilling, especially with a beach. Oh my gosh! I think with that, enough food, especially sushi, to last me a lifetime, and of course enough drinking water. Got to be practical. And then I would bring a decent computer that can last me forever with good internet. <laughs> So I can watch and, and draw with my drawing pad. And all the manga I can ever muster through Amazon. <laughs> and I think my last one would be... Hmm, let's see, item-wise, sketchbook. <laughs> Heck yeah, it's a good round out. It's a good round out. Like, like it. All right, so if you lived in fantasy land... Would you ride a chocolate pony? Hmm. If it's a cool day. If it's a hot day, like, I'm not about that mess. But... As you know, right? Yeah, yeah. That's going to be... But on a cool day, oh, for sure. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Freaking awesome. Well, thank you for taking time to talk with us. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I enjoy Top 5 Comics. You're amazing, Steve. <laughs> All right, I want to thank Jade again for taking time to chit-chat with us. Uh, you can find her art and stuff on Instagram, so check her out and, uh, you know, send her a little, little love. Um, let's see. Well, after that, uh, what'd you learn today, Josh? Huh? Exactly. Tyler <laughs> Brown, what'd you learn today? <laughs> Man, I learned that I, uh, really like Apocalypse a lot. Um, I learned that I can get into a Marvel book, which I probably haven't done in a really long time. You know me, I mainly on the DC and usually a little more the indie side. Sure. Um, so yeah. Excellent. Can definitely get into that. What I learned today? Um, I think you learned about the X23 sister. I mean, well, I didn't know that, but it did remind but me. But you didn't know it. 
I didn't remember it. But you learned. But you, sure. le- you relearned it. Did exactly. you learn more about the Donner cut a little bit? I mean, I guess it was more review than it was anything else. Well, we learned that Warner Brothers did own. But it was Warner Brothers. That's yes, true. It I was Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers first, it, for 78. Universal. Yeah. So. so they've owned that property for a long time. Well, yeah, it makes sense. Considering. Um, do you guys have any books to watch? Uh, not that I know of. I did read Lucky Devil today when I was hanging out in your shop. Lucky Devil number one. It was really good. Um, there was something else that I thought looked yeah. really good and I, I lost it. Cool. That's right. Uh, I got a couple to mention for folks. Um, they got a new Hellboy series coming out. Hellboy, the bones of giants, which I think will be cool. It's Mike Nola, which makes sense. Uh, Matt Smith's doing the art. It's a four part mini series. Um, but the setup pages, they got some preview pages that you can look up online, and it seems like it'd be pretty cool. I mean, if you like the Hellboy Jam, any of that stuff's good, but, uh, I haven't read one in a minute. I'm kind of excited to see this one. And there's another one coming out from Image, which, uh, is a Righteous Thirst for Vengeance is the name. Hmm. I know there being a lot of words in your mouth. Uh, it's Rick Remender writing it, uh, who's a fantastic, uh, it's basically about a, uh, common, like a normal man who stumbles up on a, Hitman's assassin plan to kill an innocent person, and so he decides in order to stop this, he's going to turn himself into a assassin, and then uh, go after the people that hired him to kill these people. So an intervention kind of situation. Uh, the art, the way it's drawn, the fellow that's the lead looks an awful lot like uh, Benedict Wong, and I, my brain says that that's amazing. That is amazing. So uh, I think that'll be really cool. Wong is great. Oh yeah, he's great. Um, but yeah, as far as like a style, um, the couple test pages for it look really cool too. But it's uh, it, it's interesting just the way that uh, the story is supposed to be paced, I guess. So we'll see like what it really is when it comes out. But yeah, Rick Remender, great writer. I mean, did Black Science and a whole handful of other things that are amazing. So Deadly Class is another one he did, which got a season of a TV show that had Benedict Wong in the TV show nice. as the headmaster. So nice. maybe that look alike isn't so odd. I think that'll be really cool. Um, it's got a few months before it comes out. We just turned in orders for it last week, actually. So, yeah. But yeah, I'd say watch for that thing. Nothing else. I mean, Recommender's fantastic, so that'll be good. Um, I think that's it. I also learned about the comic book barcodes today. Oh, yeah. I did. I did. Yeah, I learned a lot. That's a real thing. Real thing. Uh, anything else? No, didn't do you know how anything up and coming? I don't know. I forgot that what it was. Mm-hmm. The Lucky Devil. Which, 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 yeah, I think it's on issue, issue three at this point. But yeah. yeah. Right on. It's a key. It's a key. Yeah. Quit doing that. Yeah.